0: Hello and welcome to this talk from Hersham Baptist Church. My name is Heather and it's great to be with you today. So we are continuing our series of reflections, thinking about the people and the community that God wants us to be in this season, using the book of 2 Corinthians. And over the past couple of weeks, we have thought about the importance of being people of integrity and compassion and being people of reconciliation. And this week, we are going to think about Jesus' call for us to be witnesses for him. And before we dig into what St Paul has to say on this, here is our lunchtime summary for today. God wants us to be witnesses for him, taking with us the light of the gospel wherever we go. Jesus wants us to be witnesses for him, taking with us the light of the gospel wherever we go. Now, the words evangelism, mission, witness tend to have one of two effects on a Christian. They either encapsulate their entire purpose in life and galvanize them to action, or perhaps they fill them with a sense of inadequacy, awkwardness, or or even fear. In the few verses that we are going to look at today, Paul demonstrates that to be a witness to the gospel of Christ is first and foremost to keep following Jesus, to stay close to God and to allow the Holy Spirit to continue to transform our lives. And as we do this, a natural aroma, as Paul puts it, that this produces in our lives will spill out everywhere we go, pointing people to Jesus. Of course, there is lots more that evangelism can be, but it all starts here with the work of God in our own lives. Before we consider these things, let's read from 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 14 to 17. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved. And among those who are perishing, to one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. So what's going on here? Well, these first few verses... Form part of Paul's ongoing defence of his ministry in the face of the doubts and criticisms that he has received from the Corinthian church. What Paul is building up to here is that the mark of a minister of the gospel is not anything written down, such as a letter of recommendation or a list of qualifications, but it is the fruit that comes from the work of the Spirit in his own life and in the lives of those who respond to the gospel he preaches. And before he gets to this we have this short passage on being witnesses to Christ. And in it Paul makes three important points that we are going to think about today. Firstly that we are symbols of God's victory in Christ and wherever we go our lives speak of that victory. Secondly that as we follow Jesus our lives spread the fragrance of Jesus that comes from knowing him. And thirdly Paul recognises that none of us is sufficient for this task, but that through Christ we can speak sincerely as those sent by God. So firstly then, we are symbols of God's victory in Christ. Over the last six months, I've been working my way through Robert Harris's Cicero trilogy. For those of you who like historical fiction, I can thoroughly recommend this series Harris has a particular skill for immersing his readers into the cultural and historical settings in which he is writing, such that you really feel that the sights and sounds and smells of a place have come alive. The Cicero trilogy is based in Rome in the decades leading up to the birth of Christ, and it centres around the rise and fall of a number of leaders of Rome, culminating in the rise to power of the infamous Caesar Augustus, the first emperor of Rome. And one of the features of Roman rule in those days was the triumph, a notorious spectacle afforded only to generals who had won the most extraordinary military victories. The generals would parade into Rome with their legions of soldiers marching behind them and wagons laden high with the spoils of war. Priests swinging censers of incense and the captured soldiers and leaders of the vanquished enemy following behind who upon entering Rome would often be ceremonially killed or sold into slavery. It was quite a sight to behold, spectacular, victorious and also pretty terrifying, depending on whether or not you were a supporter of the present Roman ruler. And Paul chooses this striking image in our passage today. He says that Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, it's the same Greek word, And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. In other words, God wants to show us off to celebrate the victory that he has won for us in Christ. We are symbols of his victory, set free from the great enemies of sin and death through the blood of Christ. You can imagine the cries that might accompany such a triumph if it were a literal procession. Jesus is risen death is defeated all hail King Jesus see how the captives have been set free from sin and there was nothing private or discreet about a roman triumph the whole city would line the streets to see it you simply couldn't escape it whether you approved of the victor or not and in the same way as God leads us in his triumph The fragrance, the smell that comes from knowing him in our lives, it spreads everywhere we go to those around us. So what does this picture mean for us? We aren't literally parading down the streets with thousands of Christians in a victory celebration. Well, I want to suggest that it means a couple of things. First of all, that God loves you and delights in you. You are his precious child, one through Christ and set free for eternity. And secondly, that he wants to show you off. He wants to parade you through the streets of your life and let people know that he celebrates you. And I love this clip from a prayer course that we did a couple of years ago. It's It's about the testimony of a man who was addicted to drugs, who uh, was really at the, 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 the very lowest point of his life, nearly at the point of death in hospital. When he finally cried out, he said, he followed that verse which says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's what he did. He remembered it from uh, a lady, a Christian lady, who'd shared with him this verse several months earlier. And we're going to see in this clip a short testimony of what God did with his life after that point.
1: I started developing a lot of phobias on living on the street. I began to hear voices in my head. And it just began, it, it, it was constantly accusing me and constantly telling me how I would mess up. And then there was like another voice that started in and I could hear them both at the same time. And the other voice would just curse and just spew out filthy language. You know, there was a third voice that used to just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. And laugh. I was riding the trains and... Um, this This guy, who was like a drug addict who was also riding the train, said to me, "You look like you 're dying and he said "There's a hospital at the next stop. You should go to the hospital, you know and I went, Oh yeah, maybe I will, because i didn 't want to die on the street. I went into emergency, and uh, i was I was sick I mean I was really sick i don 't know if it 's something I remembered that Wanda had said to me or whether, like an angel whispered in my ear, but there was like one moment where I just heard like a sweet little voice in the midst of all that craziness, and it said, the day you call on the name of the Lord, he's going to set you free. It was just at that moment that, uh, that I cried out to God, that it, it was as if the spirit of God just swept into that hospital room, and it was as if he was all around me and all in me, and healing me and loving me. I, I don't even know what I was experiencing, but it was, it was an overwhelming experience, and immediately all the voices in my head stopped. It was just that quickly. Wow. And um, that's been 11 years ago almost, and they've never come back. I'll tell you the thing that blows me away, more than anything, is that God goes so much further than we ever dare to ask Him for. You know what I'm saying? Like when I called on the name of the Lord, I just wanted to get out of a jam. <laughs> you know? I, and, and, and God says, no, no, I'll get you out of the jam, but I'm going to give you a new life not only that, I'll go even further than that, I'll stand you up in front of all the world, in front of audiences of thousands and thousands of people, so that others will know that they too can obtain mercy. You know, it's almost like a trophy, like you're his trophy, that he wants to show off to the world, and say, I can do this in somebody's life.
0: that incredible that's how God thinks of us he wants to put us on a pedestal he wants to show us off Jesus puts it another way himself in Matthew 5 during his great sermon on the mount he says you are the light of the world a town built on a hill cannot be hidden neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl instead they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Light, oil, fuel for the candle was far too precious to be hidden under a bowl. It should be there to give light to everyone and it's the same with our lives. And this leads us really well to our second point, being the aroma of Christ. As we follow Jesus and seek to put his teaching into practice in our lives, An aroma is given off from them. Paul says we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Under the law of Moses, there was a system of sacrifices for various sins and the burnt offerings were one of these, which were said to give off an aroma pleasing to the Lord. You can read about it in Leviticus chapter 23. And there was something in this aroma, the smell of a sacrifice that brought peace for a time between the people and God. And more profoundly, we see that Christ's sacrificial life was a fragrant offering to God. In Ephesians chapter five, verses one to two, it says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk, In the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jesus' whole life and sacrifice for us brought peace between us and God, forever. It was the most fragrant offering of all, uniting us always with our Heavenly Father. So when Paul says that we are the aroma of Christ to God in the world... He's saying that our lives give off that same fragrant smell pleasing to God. This makes sense when we understand that our identity as Christians is being in Christ. When we commit our lives to Jesus, we take on new life in him. And so as we go about our lives as followers of Jesus... He is with us, giving off that sweet-smelling aroma which is pleasing to God and makes such a distinct impression on those around us. To those who are being saved and respond positively to the message of the gospel, it will be a fragrance from life to life. It will literally lead them to new life, eternal life in Jesus. But as with those smells from the Roman triumph, what smells like life and victory to some will be the smell of death to others. The presence of our lives lived as followers of Jesus prompts a choice to be made by those around us. Either they too will accept Jesus as their saviour and the smell will be one for them of life. Or our lives will be the aroma of death. If they reject Jesus, like those on the losing side of a Roman con, to death. Now that sounds incredibly daunting, doesn't it? I can't handle that pressure on my shoulders. And Paul says the same thing, which is our third point. He says, who is sufficient for these things? None of us can possibly live up to the expectation of being Jesus wherever we go in all situations. What about all the times that we mess up? I can think of so many occasions when my life surely couldn't be described as giving off a fragrant offering pleasing to God. And the times when I know that I have bottled out of offering prayer or pointing someone to Jesus even when I felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to do so. How should we handle these feelings of guilt and inadequacy? Well Paul goes on to answer his own question. He says that we are people who are commissioned or sent by God. God knows exactly who we are. He knows every inch of our flawed beings And yet he still sends us out to be his aroma to the world. Perhaps when we fear that our own inadequacies or failures or lack of confidence in telling others about Jesus disqualify us from the task, they are in fact the very thing that encapsulate the incredible message of the gospel. If I am already the most skilled orator with a spotless life and nothing to feel bad about, then I would have no need of Jesus. It is the very fact that I am a hopeless sinner who messes up on a regular basis that means I need Jesus and I continue to need him every single day. And it's as we share this message with those around us, a perfect message carried in an imperfect vessel, that we truly demonstrate the, light, the grace and the love of God. The grace that says, I delight in you, even though your natural smell is anything but pleasant. The grace that says, when I look upon your life, I see Jesus in all his fragrant glory. The grace that says you don't have to be good enough because Jesus is good enough for you all. That's the fragrant message that pours forth from our lives. God doesn't make mistakes. And when he calls each one of us to himself, it isn't a mistake. And when he says that we will be in his triumphal procession, you're the ones I want all the world to see so that they may look upon you and see Jesus. It isn't a mistake. We need to trust in God's plan. If it was Caesar running this triumph and we were his soldiers, we wouldn't dare duck out of the procession. So when the judge and defender of all mankind says he wants us in our triumphal procession, and that our lives are the aroma of Christ that he wants the world to smell, then we better stay in the procession. Let's allow him to work in and through us to bring light and life to those around us. Let's shout in support of Jesus. Let's own the fact that we're part of the church. We're not like peddlers, Paul says, trying to sell some dodgy wares on the street corner. We're not Delboy. For any only fools and horses fans. Phil Moore in his commentary on 2 Corinthians says, but we are messengers who speak with sincerity so that nothing will hinder the light of the gospel from shining through us. Evangelism isn't just the calling of a highly skilled few, but of every believer who has received the Holy Spirit and who has been made a part of Jesus's body. The message that we have to share, the testimony of God's grace in our lives through what Jesus has done for us, is enough. That is where the power lies. Paul himself was well known to be a very poor speaker. He was no Cicero or Shakespeare. And yet, despite the lack of suitability for the role of evangelist and church planter, he had everything he needed because he carried with him the truth of the gospel And that was enough. God did the rest. He prospered him incredibly. Paul just had to keep trusting God and keep following Jesus. So finally, then, let's just think what all of this might mean for us. Well, firstly, know that God delights in you. He wants to show you off in his victory parade. You might not feel like much, but you are precious and valuable in his sight if you've never committed to following Jesus, then why not begin that journey today? For God so loved the world that he sent his only son and whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The invitation is to everyone. And secondly, if you are a follower of Jesus, then when people see you, they experience something of the grace and love of Jesus. You display Jesus when you in your town and in your school and in your workplace and your social club. You display Jesus when you do something wrong and then you say sorry. You display Jesus when someone wrongs you and you forgive them. You display Jesus when you show others love just as Jesus has shown love to you. You display Jesus when you acknowledge that you are a sinner just like everyone else but that you have been set free by the incomparable grace. Of God. And that doesn't mean that everyone will respond well to you. Jesus was rejected by many people, and he's still rejected by many people today. And so will we be. But we might just be those through whom someone comes to know him and by his grace finds eternal life. And Paul says it's okay to feel like you cannot possibly carry the weight of that expectation. Who can? But let's be confident in this. The message of the gospel on its own is enough. It doesn't matter if we aren't good speakers, if we mess up sometimes, or if our attempts to share Jesus with others doesn't seem to come to much. The light of the gospel still shines. And if anything, its light shines all the more brightly through these broken and imperfect vessels. So let's remember this week. God wants us to be witnesses to him taking the light of the gospel wherever we go.